You're listening to Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast, a show where a philosopher and a rocket scientist try to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Football Philosophy and Rocket Science podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. He is Joel. I'm Howdy. Elliot. And uh, hey, Joel, I've got something for you. Uh, can ooh, you show uh, everybody, who, those who have uh, visual, uh, show everybody the picture? Yes, there we go. There is a big bet that was made 25 years ago between a philosopher and a neuroscientist. Not really? a rocket scientist, but a neuroscientist. But the whole bet had to do with whether or not uh, science would be able to explain how consciousness is achieved. And the, the uh, philosopher thought that, no, science will not be able to understand how consciousness arises in living beings, even in 25 years. This okay, hold on now. Can I interject here for a second? Yeah, you may. I, I am like willing to take the, the philosopher's angle on this one because you may come up with a material example or a material conclusion as to why consciousness is, but you probably won't be able to explain how and why consciousness what does what it does through materiality alone. That's my take. Okay, so go ahead. Okay, well, you know, and the scientists figured that, no, we're going to figure out how this exists, what it is, and know everything about it in 25 years. And um, they yeah, had... That's uh, a pipe dream. Well, that's basically what they concluded. They had uh, some referees that they agreed upon, and they believe that uh, as of today, 25 years later after the bet, that the scientists have not understood what consciousness is or how it arises, and the philosopher won the bet. I don't know what they... Yeah. Um, i tell you right but, now, as soon as you start talking about this, I was like, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> that ain't well, well, well you know you what, what the answer is now well i but, knew that answer before you even told me you just told me that question i knew what the answer was going to be yeah let, me, let well, me explain what's kind of behind some of this philosophically if you're interested um part of the problem here is the age-old problem of how does the spiritual or ideal realm interact with the material and this is a problem that philosophers have been dealing with I mean, way back since Plato. I mean, Plato had answers, right? His idea was that material materiality is actually just shaped by the form or the idos, the idea of something. So materiality is just fluid, and then an idea comes along or, or an abstract concept comes along and shapes materiality. But then when he's pressed on it, how exactly does the ideality interact with materiality? That question has been a philosophical conundrum that has, to this day, not been solved. And people have been creative. Descartes came up with the pineal gland. Um, Proclus, I've been reading some Proclus, by the way. The Neoplatonic philosopher Proclus came up with this idea that there's like these levels of existence um, that eventually materiality or uh, materiality is just generated from from uh, spirituality, all kinds you know, of answers. Like that question has never been solved, and it never will be solved. But anyway, every go ahead. minute that you talk, we're going to lose half of our audience for football. So <laughs> just so you know, uh, hey, we, it's we just got philosophy. Talk. 
It's got philosophy in the in the the concept here. But anyway, go ahead. We yeah, well, we need to talk some Browns football here, or things are going to get bad for us. You know, we, <laughs> uh, the ratings are paying for all those new electric cars that we're going to buy and all that kind of stuff. So speaking so of paying, let's go to our yeah. first topic. Yeah. So an article has recently come out, and uh, we're talking about Browns Wire, and it is. Uh, if I can find the author, Corey Kinnan, formerly of Dog Pound Daily, has compiled compiled the average resale ticket price of every NFL team uh, via the data from Ticket Smarter is what he, what it's called. Tickets okay. Smarter. Okay, and so it tracks the you know obviously you buy a ticket, then you want to resell it on like Ticketmaster or something that you resell tickets on and usually the people who's selling the ticket want to make a profit off of it so teams or individuals will resell tickets and you're looking at all the teams in the afc north every team in the afc north their resale ticket price has gone up okay with one exception and this is we're gonna talk about the exception so the Mm -hmm. ravens if you buy a ticket last year from the Ravens, yeah, I, would like, think, I would think the Ravens probably went down because their team uh, is going down to dumper. Is that the right answer? Oh, we'll find out here. So the Browns, oh, okay, okay. last year, the the 2022 average resale price was $153 over face value. So far this year, it's $228 over face value. So it has gone up wow. by about $70. So they're drinking the Kool-Aid. The Browns fans drinking the Kool-Aid. We've been talking up the Browns, and I guess we're successful. People believe that the Browns are going to be for real this year. Is that what we're concluding? I I think think we're all drinking the Kool-Aid. The Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, okay? So last year, the twenty-two resale was $189 over face value. This year so far... The average ticket price is $273, which is roughly $90 over what they were selling for last year. A $90 That's crazy. Oh, we've got speedy wide receivers this year, Joel. We're going to watch all kinds of touchdowns from Lamar Jackson, and it's going to be great. Except, like, the defense is going to be just straight trash. We don't I mean, care it's about like, defense. Uh, we just want to watch Lamar Jackson throw <laughs> touchdown passes. That's what we're going to get. Yeah, we I'll were pay talking all kinds of money for that. We were talking before we started the show, and uh, it, it's like the Ravens have decided to let the fans be the GM. You know, like, hey, fans, what do you want to see? We want to see Lamar Jackson throw the ball. Like, like you well, know why well, they, they haven't had football network on TV where where the fans have a button that they push and call a play. And Johnny Manziel <laughs> plays in that league. That's, yeah, that's that's kind of like. That's what the I Ravens can't believe that like. the Ravens fans are that optimistic about their team. Do do they I, watch I, games? I I ask this question all the time on my other podcast. Do Ravens fans even know what's happening to their team? All right, so the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, so got to okay. get back. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the twenty twenty two. Excuse me. The 2023 average ticket price is $392. That is up from the 2022 resale value of 273. So they're up 199. No, wait, 129 dollars, something like that. 119. Okay, well, they're they're pretty faithful. We, yeah, we have to uh, admit that the Steelers 
uh, have always supported their team. They're they've got winning records, so they're in pretty good shape. So okay. So here's here's the last one, and I think this correlation has something to say about the city. The Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Well, they had a good year last year. They, they had a great almost year last year, made right? it to the Super Bowl again. Almost after making it to the Super Bowl after the 2021 See, season. That should be pretty good. They got Joe freaking Burrow as their quarterback. Right. What more do they want? They should be $500 a ticket. So here's I'll give you the numbers then I'll give you my theory. So the numbers are here. The average 2023 ticket price is $294, which is down from the resale value last year of $309. You can get a ticket this season for $15 less on the resale than what you could have bought them for last year. That's ridiculous. And they're like possibly well, the best team in the AFC. Well, right me, now. We didn't go to the Super Bowl. Oh. I'll tell you what's going on, Elliot. Here's what's going on. What's happening is Ellie De La Cruz. That's what's happening in Cincinnati. Oh, they're spending all their money on the baseball team. No, no, no. They're not even spending money on the baseball team. Their owners came out and said that they run their baseball team like it's a charity, like it's a nonprofit organization because they can't make money. But they had the number one recruit, or number one prospect. Is that what they call him? Number one prospect. He's come up. He's been gangbusters since he's been to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is selling out their baseball games. That town is a baseball town, and they are there for the Reds. That's what they do in Cincinnati. And now that the Reds are hot, nobody cares what the Bengals are doing. And so the ticket prices are down because they don't care. They're there for the Reds. They want Pete Rose more than they want Joe Burrow. I'm telling you, they don't care. Their loyalty is to the Reds. And when they go to Bengals games, that's because the Reds are garbage and they can't get a ticket to the, and they don't want to go to the Reds. But I'm telling you, Sundays in September are going to be interesting when the Reds are in town and the Bengals are playing at the same time at one o'clock. Cause I think that stadium is going to be about three quarters, if not half full, unless the other team comes in and takes up the seats. I've watched well, enough Bengal football to know. It's no, I, I, I can understand that the attention <laughs> of the, of the city might be diverted at this point. Uh, but I think when it gets to be uh, actual football season and they're playing, the exhibition games, I predict that it'll pick back up. I don't believe that uh, that this is um, – I don't believe that's an actual trend. I, I, so, it, I think it's funny, but I, I don't believe it's real. It'll, it'll probably pick up. It'll probably pick up. I think right now the, the Reds fans are, are focusing on the Reds, and so when football season comes along, it'll pick up. I want to talk about the San Francisco 49ers on here. i got to find them here for a second. San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers. Okay, and that should be an unlimited amount of money for their tickets. San Francisco 49ers. The average ticket price for the San Francisco 49ers on resale is $410, which is a lot. Now, it's, check this yeah, out. I, I would have thought it would be a lot more than that, really, for San Francisco, as good okay. as they've been. But here that, it is. That's you ready? Super product. That is down. Right here's the number from $724 in 2022. They've gone from $724 on a resale ticket to $410. They well, like why are they down? $300 down. Well, wait a minute. What happened to them? $300 down. 
why? Because their their fourth string quarterback got injured, and so now they're mad at the team. Or wait, explain this to me. That I, makes I, no I mean, who's their quarterback? Who cares? <laughs> Just as long as they have somebody that can play. They're gonna trot out Trey Lance. He's gonna get hurt. They they moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Are they gonna trot out? Uh, oh, who's the guy they had? Mr. Irrelevant out there playing quarterback. I can't even remember his Brock name. Purdy. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. They're gonna trot Brock Purdy out there. Yeah, Brock I can't Purdy imagine they're gonna fine. do that. He was fine. I think he's a good quarterback, and uh, you know they had, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of help for. You know, they had Debo, and they had Christian McCaffrey, and everybody else, and they they just had so much talent on that team. Well, but I don't understand why would they be down on the team just because they, uh, you know, they almost made it. If they'd have had one more quarterback on the roster, they would have uh, closed <laughs> the deal, I think. They'd right? have had four quarterbacks on the roster? They'd have been fine? No, they needed five. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, we have the sad, sad news of the passing of Ryan Mallett. And I know Elliot's got some kind words to say. Yeah, no, he's Ryan Mallett. That's all I have to say. I I did want to mention that um, it presumably, I don't know the details, but it did uh, remind me that uh, Peyton Hillis uh, almost uh, drowned. Uh, also in Florida, um, due to a rip current, I don't know uh, for certain that that's uh, what happened to Ryan Mallett or not. Um, but I just wanted to underscore for our listeners that if you go swimming in Florida, first, train really hard in a pool, number one. Two, remember that the pool doesn't help you that much anyway. Um, because the, you know, the waves are much more difficult to contend with in the ocean. Um, so you're, you're really, you have to be very, very cautious. The number three is rip currents are real. It's not fictional. Uh, you are not stronger than the ocean. You can't fight the ocean. Even if you're a football player, um, you know, back, uh, years ago when I was, um, it's hard to believe now because I'm old and fat, but I used to be a. Um, I've said marathon that a lot lately. Uh, well, it happens to be a fact, but I used to be. <laughs> um, you know, I used to run marathons and I did triathlons and stuff like that, and I, I had you know three mile range as a swimmer, um, but I got caught in a rip current and, you know, came close to drowning. Um, but the the way that you get out of it is not to fight the ocean. You cannot fight the ocean. What you have to do is swim sideways parallel to the coast, uh, to the coastline, get out of the rip current. Then you can uh, swim to the shore when the you know rip current isn't... You know, the reason why they call it a rip current is because it rips you out into the middle of the ocean and it goes faster than you can swim. So I, so I don't interrupt to tell you, Elliot, that mm-hmm. I did confirm that Ryan Mallett did die drowning in a rip current. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, you know, wanting, you know, those of us uh, in Ohio are not very experienced in swimming in the ocean mostly, but we do uh, like to go 
to Florida and, and hit the beaches and stuff, at least understand what the problem is mm -hmm. and uh, be very, very careful. Um, maybe go swimming in the swimming pool instead of the ocean. If you do go into swimming uh, in the ocean, understand what the rip current is and understand the procedure for how to deal with it. It's serious yeah. stuff, and even football players are not strong enough to overcome it. Right. So that's what I wanted to say, and I just hope that um, that I could help somebody. Well, hopefully the next person that gets caught in a rip current is listening well, to our show. Yes, that's that's really why I wanted to mm -hmm. to say that is because I've been through it and I wanted to help potentially somebody else to avoid that problem in the future. All so, right, Elliot, we're uh, up on a break here. So we're going to hit the break and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. So hang on after the break. We'll be back and we'll talk about something more uplifting and funny, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Back from those commercials, there's probably been a whole bunch of commercials for hamburgers and and music and more hamburgers because that's what fat guys like me do, eat hamburgers. But we're back to talk about Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I respect the Pittsburgh Steelers because they were one of the two teams that voted against the Browns moving. So I'm I'm one of those people that give them credit for that. Yes, yeah, the, the Rooney family uh, went against Art Modell. Do not forget that. Um, the uh, uh, we, were been, we were talking about defenses in the AFC North, and uh, last week we told you why we thought that the Ravens were ignoring uh, replacing their veterans that uh, went free agent. Because the fans voted them off the island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's basically the, it. The fans took over uh, the DaCosta bot, and they're like, "More Lamar Jackson. Let's let's sign overpriced free agent wide receivers." So, are, are the Steelers going to do the same thing for us, or are they going to be more intelligent about the situation? No, I think the Steelers are really a formidable team on defense, and um, so I think we need to talk about um, what they're doing. And uh, if you'll give me the graphic uh, for those who are who have visual with us, and we'll describe it uh, for the. Uh, oops, I didn't want. No, no, yeah, no I'm not sure we should be showing PFF. No, 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 no. Where's the PowerPoint? I don't know. You gotta. You didn't share that screen. Well, I did show that before we got on. Yeah, but that's not what you're sharing right now. So yeah, that's not what I have right now. I'll take I, that off. I need you to I share the other screen. <laughs> We're having technical difficulties, people. But in the meantime, okay. just know that uh, right here I've got the page up. People Jones had more receiving yards than George Pickens. Okay, so here I, I have here the George have Pickens look up now. Can um, does that work? Is that what you want? Yeah. Does it say Pittsburgh Steelers? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is this is basically a summary of the moves that they've made for the off season. Uh, that's not the one you showed me earlier. This what? is PFF. This is PFF. No, no, no. What do you see? I've got up uh, Pittsburgh Steelers player tracker. Is that what you nope, see? That's not what we got. 
If we okay. were to edit this podcast, we would edit this all out. But you guys will learn our editing skills. That's that's not what we're looking at right now. Okay, well, take me out of edit mode. Can you do that? I don't know how I take you out of edit mode. Or take me out of the <laughs> share mode. There, you're gone. There you go. Elliot's okay, figured it let me, out. Let me try it again. So the Pittsburgh Steelers has been a team that's been very actually kind of unique on defense. They like to blitz on first down to try to put your offense in a hole. And then when your offense is playing behind the sticks, that's when they jump back and play coverage. It's actually kind of the opposite of what most teams come out with, where they try to play coverage first and then on third down blitz. And the Steelers have actually been pretty successful with this approach for a lot of years. And uh, it makes them so kind of countercultural that a lot of teams who only play the Steelers once um, have a hard time adjusting to it. So it gives them a real advantage. So here we go with our Pittsburgh Steelers player tracker. Pittsburgh Steelers player tracker. Did that work? Yes, there we go. Okay. So, So, Elliot, I got a question for you. What's a Yinzy? Well, this I, I've never way, understood this. What's a yeah, I, I Actually, I lived in uh, Pittsburgh for a year when I was a kid. And this Sorry. is the way we talked in Pitts, Pittsburgh. Uh, it's an accent that I'm told derives from the Scotch-Irish uh, population there. They really do talk like that. Listen to Myron Cope uh, broadcast games. But it, it's the same as uh, you all in uh, West Virginia, where I also lived. So, uh, Yins, Yinzes lose, you all lose. Cornerback Cameron Sutton is probably the biggest name, the best player that they lost. So, Yinzes just means y'all. Y'all. Y'all okay. lose all right. Cameron Sutton. Very good. I got it. Back. I got it now. I got that's it now. The, that's really the biggest guy that they lost. <clears throat> now, the uh, biggest name that they lost was Devin Bush. Um, if you'll recall, a few years ago, that guy was uh, playing at a all-pro level, um, but he had a knee injury and uh, apparently just didn't really come back all the way from that. And so he's um, uh, only getting a $3.5 million uh, contract for one year. Hmm. And so he's so- going to make it or break it year with somebody. Yeah, and so what the, you know, it sounds like, oh man, they just really lost a lot of talent, but they didn't really give up that much because uh, Bush did not have a great year for them last season. Uh, similarly, uh, Robert Spillane is getting the same kind of contract as Devin Bush. His uh, deal is two years rather than one, but so those two linebackers are are out. Right. Um, Terrell Edmonds. Safety, a $2.0 million deal for one season. Another so one of those. That's kind of prove it. okay. Well, you know, it's a, it's a okay safety. He can play. He can start for your team, but mm-hmm. not a star, not a uh, impact player. Right. <clears throat> now, Miles Jack, when he came out of college, was really thought that he was going to be an impact player, but wasn't uh, he the guy that had the knee injury and then yes, he like went exactly. and slam dunk a basketball and got picked in the second round? He, yeah, he was um, uh, injured and has had some repercussions from that from UCLA. injury. Yes, and uh, 
not exactly sure what the total injury history was, but he was just never really exactly the same after he had that injury, and there may have been other injuries subsequent to that. He did play for the Steelers last season. Uh, he had some nagging injuries, I would say, that uh, followed him around. Mm-hmm. And he has not been picked up by a new team yet, so I think he's a viable player, but teams are wary about him because he has an injury history. So there's... He was released on March 16, 2023. Yeah, salary cap uh, victim. Uh, so, okay, so the Steelers have lost some big names. Oh, also, I mentioned Chris Wormley, uh, defensive tackle. He was a pretty big uh, name there. Um, he played about one-third of the season uh, snap-wise for the Steelers, mm-hmm. 30 years old. William Jackson, cornerback, 31 years old. So those guys are kind of role players, I would say, but right. you know, potentially viable. But they, the only guy that was really an impact player is Cameron Sutton. Okay, so the Steelers, on the other hand, acquire uh, cornerback Patrick Peterson, who's an old dude, uh, but he's still viable. He's like a top 10, top 15 cornerback. He's probably as good as Cameron Sutton, but he's a little bit older. He's in his like 32 or 33. And cheaper. And so, yeah, he comes at a little bit of a discount. But for one year, he's probably the same level of player, I would say. And so I think that's kind of a wash. And then linebacker Cole Holcomb is uh, probably the best linebacker of the names that we've mentioned. So they are getting an upgrade at linebacker. He's a $6 million guy, three years, $18 million, uh, one full year guaranteed. And then they also get uh, Landon Roberts, two years, $7 million. So he's in the same class as Robert Spillane and Devin Bush. They also acquire strong safety Keanu Neal, two years, $4.3 million, and a small guarantee there. Mm -hmm. I could see Neal being a backup to Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Minka is in Neal's role. He's absolutely, a, you know, a dynamite player. And uh, but look at the draft. Somehow the NFL screwed up, as usual. And uh, Joey Porter is technically drafted in the second round, but he's the thirty-second uh, <laughs> overall pick. But they only had um, thirty-one players in the first round because Miami forfeited a pick for right. misbehavior of some sort. And, I believe uh, that's the uh, that's either the Tom Brady situation or that's the uh, the the coach situation where they're tampering. It yeah, was tampering. Some, some sort of tampering. Who knows? So let's talk about Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. Oh my God! How <laughs> could the NFL screw this up? But uh, yeah, the Steelers are very excited to have Joey Porter on their team. Well, I bet and, they need to get Joey Porter Sr. back out there so he can well, run out to the middle of the field, run out to the middle of the field, harass some player on the other team, and get oh. that player to have a penalty so they can win an otherwise lost playoff game. That's what they need out of this guy. Yeah, we, bring yeah, his dad well. back to get cheap penalties to win football games that you shouldn't win. And every Bengals fan knows exactly what I'm talking about. 
Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> Joey Porter is probably going to grow up to be an impact player with the Steelers. We just really think that he dropped um, for no really good reason. And- I think he dropped because he has very poor technique when it comes to man-to-man coverage. Like, this guy cannot play uh press coverage he gets beat and he grabs and he holds so he's got the reputation for being a holder and that's why a lot of teams have stayed away from him (coughs) but the uh man i got the cost today but the steelers don't play a lot of man-to-man they play a lot of that zone zone behind there so they can pull him off the ball let him play zone which is what he's good at so he fits their system but i think a lot of teams that were looking for somebody that could play man-to-man they were going away from joey porter which is why he dropped to the second round so that's my take on Porter. They need okay. to teach him to not hold. Okay. Well, yeah, I just there's have a, a holding call waiting to happen. Okay. Well, I, I just feel like uh, between him and Patrick Peterson, they probably augmented their secondary. They did not uh, lose out uh, overall, despite the loss of Cameron Sutton. Uh, they also pick up a defensive tackle, Keanu Benton. So I think they probably win there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, they they are not going to miss uh, Chris Wormley, uh, despite the fact that he was a pretty good defensive tackle. I think getting a younger guy there makes sense. Uh, fourth round pick, we assume that they probably did their uh, usual good job of scouting. They get uh, offensive, uh, excuse me, an outside linebacker. And Nick Herbig from Wisconsin. And I don't even really care about a seventh round draft pick, Corey Trice Jr., Purdue. But maybe <laughs> in a couple of years, he might be developed. Into That's a camp body. That's what that is. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. The Steelers I, are getting younger in the secondary because they've had a pretty old secondary. Yes. Like they yes. were an aging secondary. So they're trying to get younger. I think Patrick Peterson's mm-hmm. there to kind of provide some leadership while Porter Jr. and some other people that they're really hoping can make an impact do make an impact so yeah i think uh, i think it's somewhat their secondary might be in transition but i do think their front seven or six depends on how they play it um is still good enough to to overcome some of the deficiencies in the secondary so i think they're they're a really good team schematically too like they really can confuse a quarterback schematically, which a good quarterback is hard to confuse, but they can do it. And it's because they play that countercultural blitz on first down, blitz on second down, play coverage on third down while showing blitz, then playing coverage. Um, so I think they've, they've got a good coaching staff and a good situation rolling. I think they're just kind of turning over. They're churning the machine like good teams do. Get a little old. Just turn it over, and that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're. I think they're improved. I think that the players that they've got coming in are going to be better than the ones uh, who left, and they've still got some really uh, fantastic players on their team. The big stars. They, you know, T.J. Watt is just a really great talent. Um, at uh, well, okay, we would call him a defensive end, but in their scheme, he's an outside linebacker. Yeah, he's uh, just an they, edge player. Well, okay, yeah, whatever you want to call him. Uh, they, they play a weird defense. Defenders is what they call him. And then there's Minka Fitzpatrick, who's one of the best strong safeties in the business, certainly in our division. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Cameron Hayward, 
has been a big pain in the butt for us uh, for years. Yep. I think he's about 50 years old, but he's still playing at a very high level. <laughs> um, and then uh, Alex Highsmith, uh, another edge rusher, uh, gives them uh, two guys are very comparable to Cleveland's edge rushers. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not as high on Highsmith as a lot of other people are, so maybe mm-hmm. this year he'll he'll uh, prove me wrong, or maybe he'll show me why I should think of him as an elite edge rusher. I just don't see it. I think mm-hmm. he benefits a lot from the double teams that Watt's getting. Well, he yeah. Also, and they also, I think he benefited when Watt was out. Highsmith got to play that garbage cleanup role that TJ Watt plays, and so he was the one that had the defenders flush the quarterback out of the pocket, and then he goes and chases him down and gets the sack, mm-hmm. which is what Watt usually does. So I think yeah. that kind of inflated some of his numbers. Um, okay. But, hey, I, I'm not sure he holds up to a double team, but we'll see. He doesn't have yeah. to. He plays he, against, Yeah, he doesn't have to. That's the whole point. Have to, you, so. have to, you have to double team uh, Watt, mm-hmm. and then you've got Hayward, and you've got Highsmith all on the same line. So, right. You know that's that's the reason why they're they're so dangerous is you've got all those guys on the same line. So usually, if you've got three guys that are on the same uh, you know side of the ball that are really at a high level, then that's going to be a winning team. Now, at the beginning of the year last year, I thought that the Browns had um, you know their big three was going to be Miles Garrett on the defensive side of the ball, and then I thought, okay, and then we've got. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa as a linebacker. I'm a believer in Koromoa. I, th- I think so too, but he did not have a good year last year. He was well. When I you're getting like his his style of game, and we can get into the Browns another time, but his style of game requires that you have a defensive line that can protect him. That would be nice. Offensive lineman off of him. You get offensive lineman on him, he's in trouble. But any player his size is going to be in trouble if you put offensive yeah. linemen on them. So he's got to do a better job of getting off players. But once he's free to roam, yeah, uh, you he's want probably be, one of the best in the league. At just you don't want him to be running the first line of defense against the running game. Right. You want him to be the guy that's the TJ Watt of the team. You want him to be the, the trash collector. The finisher, yeah. You want him to be the trash yes. collector. Well, I don't like the word trash collector. That sounds a little bit. Now, see, the trash collector, no, no, no. I'm going to define the difference between a finisher and a trash collector. Okay, you're correct. JOK is a finisher. Okay, a trash collector is someone, let's say you're rushing the quarterback, and a defensive end or a defensive tackle does their job, but one of the other doesn't, and they flush that person out of the pocket. Okay, when you pick up a sack on that level, that's collecting the trash. Because someone else did the work. Someone else did what they had to do to impact the pocket to force the quarterback to move. Yeah. That's who really got the sack. Okay. okay. Then the other person who actually tackles them outside of the pocket is just picking up trash. That's what TJ Watt excels at. It's picking up the trash. Okay. I really want someone, and I've been challenging Pittsburgh fans all the time, just put me a highlight reel together of this, all the sacks that T.J. Watt had when he broke the sack record. Because I want to watch it. Because I promise well, you there's yeah. going to be one well, or yeah, two that actually Definitely occurred. you get help from your teammates. There's no question. But you still I want, got I want to see that. Team the, the gentleman, I should say. 
but uh, there's no question about that. But, you know, I was going back to the Browns, I also thought, okay, we've got our big dude in the secondary in uh, Denzel Ward. Uh, that didn't quite work out for us as well. <laughs> How's that work out for you, Elliot? Did, uh, <laughs> yeah, we just really did not have a defensive secondary that was worth writing home about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denzel Ward, I, I don't know what happened to him, uh, but he seemed like he was getting overcommitted on uh, several plays a game. And uh, we just really didn't have uh, they stars on defense. We Basically, yeah. you know what our team was last year on defense? It was Miles Garrett and a bunch of guys. That was our team. I, I think there's talent in the secondary. We got this whole Browns thing now. I think there's talent in the secondary. It's just they were all doing like their own thing. Like it was just like a bunch of guys doing their own thing. And they didn't communicate. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't work as a unit until maybe like halfway through the season. And I'm just so I think once you get them to work together as a team, they'll be fine. But we all ask these questions about Miles Garrett as a leader, blah, blah, blah. Who's the leader in the secondary over there? That's the question worth asking, because somebody there's there's no communication last year with that that mm-hmm. secondary. So there's there's a lack of leadership. Well, yeah, clearly, clearly they were not um, following the playbook. You know that uh, they had trouble understanding the coverages because you know that's basically what a blown coverage is. A blown coverage doesn't mean that you're no good. It just means that you didn't understand who was supposed to cover who right. uh, for the particular and play. That's- communication because defensive calls audibles just like offenses do it's communication but it's also knowing the playbook and we can't really tell which where the breakdown occurred as fans but we know that something broke down somewhere and we saw that a lot uh last season but so um, when you talk about the playbook i want to clarify this cover two cover three cover four sky all those coverages are all the same no matter where or what team you play for. When you're talking about the playbook, you're talking about how you audible against certain things offenses do. So let's say the offense will put a receiver in motion, but you're running zone on one half the field and man on the other half the field. You have to adjust to now you have another receiver on the other side of the field. And it could be like, okay, they just moved uh, Jamar Chase to the other side of the field. That's a huge situation you have to account for. Okay, so that comes down to the communication of how we're going to change from one defense to another defense. Okay, so everyone has to be on the same page. We're going to go from cover four to, or excuse me, from a man zone split. Now we're going to go to a straight cover four. And that has to be communicated around the whole situation. So when you talk about the playbooks, you're not talking about knowing or understanding the coverages. It's knowing and understanding the audibles that occur given the motions of the offense. So just well, point of yeah, point. okay, but I mean, even if if they have the play call, but um, they didn't uh, cover the right guy, that's what I mean. Okay. That they they that's either fine. didn't catch the audible or they didn't understand the basic um, coverage that they were supposed to be in. But something went wrong somewhere, and uh, we can't really know whether uh, as fans we can't tell where the breakdown occurred whether it was a coaching breakdown right. whether it was a player not understanding his assignment or what but we know and, something and this is this is the exact reason why i don't put a whole lot of faith in pff grades yeah well that that's for sure and the other you know the other thing that's wrong with pff grades is that you if the 
uh, cornerback, we don't know um, if the top cornerback is supposed to cover the number one receiver. That's a different assignment than if you're supposed to cover the number three receiver. And those are graded differently. Those are different assignments. So, well, but anyway, we, anyway. we can digress on PFF. Right, All right. Yeah. So we are up against it, Elliot. Next week, do we want to talk about the Bengals? Keep going with the AFC North. Yeah, we need to finish uh, talking about the Bengals. I think that uh, about the Bengals, Bengals defense. We've been talking Bengals about defense. defense. I think that the Bengals defense is probably not as good as the Steelers. We'll give that away. I think the Steelers. <clears throat> maybe the best defense overall and might even be the Browns. The Browns have just added a ton of talent mm-hmm. uh, defensively. Yeah. I think uh, the Browns are going to have to prove it though. Yeah. There you go. We, we Before haven't seen you can them, crown team. them, they need to go out and show up. There you go. But, uh, All right. but I, do like what the, I do like what the Steelers are doing on defense. Um, or I should say I respect what they're doing on defense. Still hate them. <laughs> Yes. I, I hate them the way a brother hates a brother. That's the way I hate them. Now, I hate the Ravens like somebody who just hates somebody. Now, like like a person hates their mother-in-law. That's how I hate the Ravens. And, <laughs> oh, so, old. Woo! And that's being nice to the mother-in-law. So, oh, <laughs> All right, I'm going to roll this, and we're going to get you guys. I hope your wife is not listening to this show. <laughs> Man. Well, Man. uh. All right, everybody, we'll catch you next week. Follow us again. We made a lot of mistakes on this show. This was not an (laughs) error-free show. But it was fun. All right, yeah, we had fun. All right. Thank you for listening to Football, Philosophy, and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow Joel on Twitter at The Left Guard and Elliot at The Village Elliot.